Welcome to the Salty Carmel podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. This is a brand new podcast where we are going to spread evangelization stories to the ends of the earth from normal parishioners like yourselves. I'm David Cook, the stewardship director from Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and my co-host is the unforgettable Jody Curtis. Our guest with us today is Jane Slayton. She's a co-worker and a good friend of mine and really helped welcome me into the Our Lady community and has helped welcome several into the Our Lady of Mount Carmel community. She has an amazing story, amazing life, and she wants to keep it real and to keep it easy. But before we even started, she opened us with prayer and me and Jody were just like, whoa, <laughs> we should have done this a while ago. So I'm grateful for that. Thank and you, Jane. Yeah. Now we get to hear her story. So Jane... Tell us a, a little bit, some stories from your childhood. What was your life like, we say, before Christ? What was your life like before you gave your life to him consciously? I pondered quite a bit on this when you guys gave us some excellent paperwork to read in the life of Saul, Paul, and what he went through in his life. And he started very much against God, against all that. And I didn't have that. I grew up with my parents' baptismal promise of ensuring that I was going to grow up knowing God, and they made sure of that. So some people, some families grow up and they play golf together, and some people dance, do all sorts of kind of things, and our family volunteered together. So my parents were heads of Knights of Columbus, Women's Club, the people that clean up the rectory and the people that iron the linens and all sorts of things. My mom was my campfire girl leader, which is the equivalent to Girl Scouts, but it's Catholic version. They were born leaders, I think, and they modeled that. And they modeled for us that that is how you live your life, is by serving God and serving others. So for us, that was our bread and water, was mass, family, and service. And that's what we did together. Then did you have one concrete moment when you said yes to Jesus or did your life yeah, you just kind of had it modeled all the way through, but can you think of one specific moment? I have lots of concrete moments. <laughs> I am I am like I am very much like a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and continues to come out as something other than a butterfly. You know, I might come out as a praying mantis one time or whatever. I think I keep trying and I keep getting it wrong and I keep trying again. I get knocked down, I get up again. Uh, but I think one of the pivotal moments, one of the stories I remember so well is we didn't have a lot of money, especially at that time. And one of the girls in my campfire girl group, her mother was really sick and ill. And my mom found out about it and they took what resources we had at Christmas time, and they shopped for. We I remember us going to the grocery store and getting um, a bunch of groceries and and gifts, and going to their house. And it was just a cinder block, one room house, and the mom was in a bed across from where I entered the house. And I remember standing there in awe of. I lived in a tiny house, but this one was tinier, and my mom said, close your mouth and pick up the broom. And we helped to clean the house. And see, for her, this was normal, and she was so comfortable. And I was so awkwardly uncomfortable in my own skin. Of course, I was a child, right? But I learned so much from that, and I'll never forget it. And I remember their names. Uh, and then I think one of the pivotal things that happened in my life, in my high school years, I was lucky enough to go to Catholic school for a period of time until it closed down. 
but in high school I had just a great group of friends and many of them were very faith-filled all different denominations not all Catholic and I had such a beautiful experience and I'm still friends with some of them to this day but I got in a car accident I was the third child to get in a Mustang car accident so I think I was doomed and you guys (laughs) didn't own a Mustang oh yeah my dad uh, worked for Ford so you get you know you get two cars at his level he got two cars at that time every sibling had their own thing and it was all our faults so um christ trying to keep us humble man really seriously his our our parents told us we could do anything anything and that you could lead or follow but if you followed people that were not good leaders you were part of that and so you had to you had to make a choice and they were um very good at making us believe that we could do anything with the power of God beside us. You know, and that's how we were powered. And so I was in this car accident. I hit the gas instead of the brakes because I was just new driving. And I took out a power pole. But what I did was I popped out because my, my friend, Michelle, did not have her seatbelt on. And there was knee dents, I remember now, in the dashboard. And I ran around the car and people were screaming at me, but I couldn't hear it at the time. I'm sure I was in shock. And I was trying to get her out and I grabbed the, the metal handle, but our car, my car had been, uh, well, the, the electric lines were all jumping around oh, wow. and they, one was underneath my car. So people were screaming for me not to touch that, but they weren't close enough to stop me from doing it. Mm-hmm. So I reached in and I opened, I tried to get it open, but I couldn't get it open. Mm-hmm. So I went around and I had left my door open and I pulled Michelle out through the driver's door. And I remember the fireman telling my dad, your daughter should be, should have been died from electrocution. She should have passed away. By the grace of God, she's here. And he told me then that God was asking something of me and that I needed to pay attention, that I needed to stand up and pay attention and look for opportunities to serve him because clearly I was here for a reason. Yeah, what a good message. I mean, we we all are here to serve him, but what what a powerful moment to hear that from your dad. And also your moment literally includes you serving someone else, yes. pulling them out and having that be so transformational for you that it really explains serving others. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I don't think of that part. I think of the that he intends for me to be here and that I wasn't to die that day, but yeah. but you're right. So uh, I'll fast forward a little bit. I, I went to the military because that was a great way to pay for school at the time. My brother did the same thing. And, you know, we were a part, a product of Detroit, really, the steel mills closing down and everything. So we, mm. we went through some some stuff at the time, and all of it is growth. I mean, I even grew up understanding that I am a codependent person because of things that happened throughout my teenage years. And I really am thankful for that because I've been able to really work on healing myself, and I do still every day, Mm -hmm. but help others too with this. Every single thing that we are gifted, uh, that we fail with, every illness that we struggle with, we have this gift to help understand another human being. So I had the gift of cancer. So the gift of cancer sounds ridiculous, right? When I had cancer, I was diagnosed very young, and I was, I was working at Our Lady Mount Carmel School. The people at the school and the parish are so kind and so generous. Somebody stepped in for me for my job, so I didn't lose my job. They stepped in for me and worked for free, so I didn't lose my job. Amy Viana did that for me. 
Um, Joy Klinker did it for me when my mom was dying. It's like God wanted me to be there, and he sent these angels to take care of me. It was quite amazing, really, but there was a lottery system to figure out who, who got to bring me a meal. That's how giving and loving, I mean, it still happens to this day. That's how giving and loving this community is. It's, it's awe-inspiring, really. Jane, I think of you are, are such a giving person that it was probably a bit difficult for you to be on the other end of that, to just receive. Oh, I can't believe you said that. And maybe maybe this interview is supposed to go in another direction. Mm-hmm. There was one point where I didn't have it in me to get up and receive, and I called Geisha to ask her to come to do it for me because I just didn't have it in me. And still to this day, I regret not having that ability to put myself aside and what I was doing, what I was dealing with that day to receive that person. But Geisha did it so beautifully. I called her and she came. She was working at Our Lady Mount Carmel that day and she came to do it for me. I had Jane sitters. Friends came and they put me to bed because Billy was an air traffic controller and he was uh, yeah, working late at night in the middle of the night sometimes. So they came and took care of me and got me in bed, tucked me in and locked the door. People are amazing. So I want to tell you the story of what led me here because I think that that's really an interesting thing. We moved here from Georgia Um, And I did struggle a little bit in Georgia because Catholicism isn't readily accepted, and that was really my first experience. Even in the military, I was accepted for my faith and and even somewhat admired. And back in those days, I probably needed it, you know? I was pretty childish. I'm I'm childlike love. I remember experiencing jealousy and all sorts of things that I don't feel now, and I'm so grateful for that. But we had contracted a house in Zionsville, and that contract fell through. And it was close to St. Alphonsus. And we intentionally wanted a house close to a church. And the realtor found our house now, which is Bell's reach of our house. And we have never moved since then. Christ wanted me at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. He wanted me there. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, we are so grateful to have you, too. One of the things that I think this happens to everyone There are so many opportunities to volunteer at Our Lady Mount Carmel, right? And I love to volunteer. And I was already volunteering for stuff. We went to donuts every Sunday, right right from the time we moved in. And our kids were four, three, and one. And Monsignor Duncan would happen by. And he asked Billy to go wrestle with him. And Billy was like all over that. He would wrestle with Monsignor Duncan. And then the next Sunday, a couple of Sundays later, so it was shortly after we moved here, he said, my mom and her friend are getting too old to monitor this help account. Do you think you guys could do that for me? Uh-huh. And he says, take some time to talk about it. So Billy and I talked about it that week. And at Donuts the next week, we said, we think we can do that. You know, monitoring a help account, that doesn't sound hard, yeah, right? Yeah. It sounds easy. And so we did. And it was just an account with like 500 bucks in it and an old dusty food shelf that needed to be a little bit revitalized because, you know, it gets, it's exhausting. Feeding people is exhausting work. It's fulfilling, but tiring. And so there was much work to be done, but we took it on, and we were doing that. And then Geisha and I took on a Girl Scout troop for our youngest two, and we led a Girl Scout troop together. But then what happened was things evolve, and the kids got into school, and one of the sisters asked me if I would consider working at the school. And I'm like, hmm, I might might consider that. And then some people took me out to lunch and asked me if I would run for PTO president. I'm like, hmm, that sounds kind of fun. I, I <laughs> use my skills in doing that. That sounds like a good 
that sounds like a good, hmm, I cannot do all of this. There's no way, right? <laughs> this is ridiculous. So I had already made Christ Renews, and my Christ Renews group, Team 31, I decided to do a retreat, uh, like a reunion retreat. And we went up to the Holy Cross Brothers up in Notre Dame. Nice. Excellent up there. And my goal at that retreat was to discern what it was Christ was calling me to, remembering my baptismal promise, remembering all the stories from my childhood, what happened when, you know, the fireman told my dad that I'm supposed to be here, you know, and I'm supposed to be here. So some of this stuff is stuff I'm supposed to be doing. So I went into the retreat, and I was kind of frustrated by that day and a half later. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an action person. I want action. I want answers. Hello. <laughs> And so I, um, you know, went through the prayer and the eating and eating and eating. If you know Jane, you know you're eating when you're eating well. Eating my feelings because I'm not getting any answers. I slept well. It was, it was beautiful. I met with a priest and asked for guidance, the one that was leading the retreat. And he said, just keep your heart open and open up your mind and your heart. It might not be the answer you're looking for, and maybe you're blocking it with what you're hoping for versus what you really are. So wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. I remember him saying that. I'm thinking, I was in the military. I know how to hurry up and wait. I can do that. And so I was waiting. We went into the last Mass. I had given up hope because... I was younger then, please remember. <laughs> I have learned through humiliation and through, I have learned to be courageous, courageous in my life and to be vulnerable and everything, but I have not always been where I'm at now, and I have so much growing to do. Going into this Mass, uh, I got all the way through the Mass. I receive the Eucharist, and here comes the song after I get into the pew. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? And as soon as I sang, is it I, Lord, my tears started to flow. And they're going to flow again because it was a powerful moment. And I ended up on my knees, and he said, it's one ministry. He was telling me, it's one ministry. This is only one thing I'm asking of you. The answer is all, but here I am working on codependency to say no, <laughs> right? A human belief that we must say no to whatever we can't handle. But let's face it, a lot of us are capable of a lot and we don't know what those capabilities are mm -hmm. until we try. And so I kind of knew I was capable of a lot because air traffic control kind of brings that out in a person, right? <laughs> but this was a lot. But in that process, then I saw that I could be on the property and be on the property to help serve the people that came that needed help, be there to use my skills in the school be close to my children, be home in the summer for my children, and I could bring in all these pastoral things that are still in place today to help Green Bag Sunday, to help people at Lent, and there's just all sorts of little pastoral services that are still in place today. Not everything, but some things are still there because I've made a pastoral ministry within it that supported help. See, and it was all one thing. Well, and Jane, you've been leading and, and serving so many people for so many years now. How has that impacted your, your own faith life and your life in Christ today? I consider myself a piece of work that needs a lot of work. And I, I think I always will. I don't think you attain butterfly until you die. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I don't believe that. And I always tell people that I work with, the more you know, the more you don't know. Mm -hmm. 
So the more we know, the more we realize we are inadequate, but we are enough for God. We're slightly intelligent, but God is the all-intelligent, and that is who we rely upon. So my growth in Jesus has happened over these years through trial and through error, through study, through reading, through worship, through prayer. I've come to a point where I realize that I'm a blade of grass, but I'm going to be the best blade of grass that I can possibly be to cushion God's feet to do all his work. So there's so much in this world, and I look at life as such a sandwich, and I have my foundation from my parents, and I have my, my God my church, so now I'm filling my sandwich with all sorts of good turkey and potato <laughs> chips to crunch and lettuce and garlic aioli, and I'm just making this beautiful sandwich of life. I'm experiencing this, this beautiful gift of life, and all of it is for the glory of God. He's building me this huge sandwich that I plan to eat when I die. I invite you to come and to experience service, to experience walking alongside another human being. Whether you do it at the Merciful Help Center, whether you do it at Our Lady Mount Carmel, the Trinity Free Clinic, the school, whether you go out to secular agencies or other agencies, serve at the Cathedral Soup Kitchen, it doesn't matter where you go. What matters is that you put yourself out there for another human being to affect and be affected to go out there and look for common ground with humanity, not how you're different, not how you're superior, not how you're weaker, but how you're the same, and to go out there and affect another human being. So come walk with me. I want to work with you. There's nobody I don't want to work with. I know some people are not capable of that, and their prayer power is their support, and that is so beautiful when we have that, and I welcome you. Well, thank you for being our guest today and for sharing your story and also for leading so many beautiful ministries at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Thank you for having me. Let's end with a prayer. God, our Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, I might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my faith, grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel and boldly witness to the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening today. And stay salty. <laughs> <laughs>